Welcome to Fargo, the officially unofficial podcast for Fargo on Hulu. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. It's also on FX. Uh, we're talking about season five, episode four, Insolu- Insolubilia, which is a hard word to say, uh, but it's basically just another name for the liar's paradox. Aaron, what do you think of this episode? I I think this is the first episode of Fargo this season that I actually liked, you know, and like on balance, I wasn't like, oh, I got problems here. I got problems there. I thought it other oh. than maybe Holly being a little too going a little too far, trying to amp up the tension in certain things to where I go from being teased and excited and titillated to just get on with it, you know? Um, yeah, I want I, my anima, damn it. And I've been waiting four hours. It's great. Some people don't know how to wait their turn, and I'm one of those people. I got six feet of intestine getting ripped out of me tomorrow. Come on. Get, let's let's get with this home alone <laughs> sequence. You've been you've been promising it all season. Yeah. Um I I like that. I liked uh, you know, if they're going to, they're gonna be archetypal and biblical with some of the stakes this season. I think that's an interesting thing for Roy to square off against. Um, I really like, you know, the things they're doing with debt. Uh, I really liked uh, Munch's soliloquy about, um, you know, what freedom means. Um, what it cost, yeah. Got a little bit of uh, Raylan Givens, some 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 Roy Givens action at the at the end of this oh, episode. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I I felt like I felt like Roy started to feel like a real character too which mm-hmm. yeah uh, he's a weird character and a guy i don't like but it's starting to feel like okay i i'm i'm starting to see how he how he fits into this world um i'm guessing from your surprise reaction this is another one that didn't really connect with you <laughs> no no i i thought you were more positive on the first two episodes than i yeah, apparently i'm misremembering that because i thought the last one was the only one you really didn't like I, I I just remember thinking like I don't I, I thought this was supposed to be funny and lighthearted and not dark yeah. and like so it's like I'm saying this is I don't know whether I finally got calibrated or this is just better uh, suited for for me a far, the the Fargo watcher um but yeah I I, I I like this episode there's I have quibbles with this episode um but but yeah I, I quite liked it I was a little let down by the opening sequence the first time I watched it. Because I think, like you said, the the calibration issues. I was expecting Home Alone. I was expecting some real fun here, and they went much more for the horror angle. And that's mm-hmm. kind of been the story of like why I haven't been totally settling into this season yet. But I think I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. I think it, I, I'm still incredibly confused by the 500 years earlier thing. I. I still don't like that at all, but we kind of don't need to dwell on that in this episode because old Munch is kind of, you know, he's being a weirdo, but he's also being a normal human being, not necessarily a 500 year old entity. So, uh, that stuff, I, I'm also digging the themes, what they're doing with the debt, um, because boy, it's everywhere. And even in old Munch's speech here, there, there's a lot of, He's talking, you know, about the cost of freedom, but that cost is being paid by certain people who, you know, the other side of that is accruing some debt that eventually might need to be paid. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of where they're going with like the Lorraine character. Um, but we'll see. We'll see exactly what they do with that. But yeah, once I settled in that second watch, I I definitely appreciated the opening sequence a lot more. Um, I 
I was having more fun with it, I guess, not having a lot of expectations. <laughs> so maybe I just need to relax, let this season do what it's going to do, and then I'll start enjoying it a lot more. Yeah, I, I at this point, I'm not even sure if Munch is literally 500 years old. I mean, we talked about this last last um, episode, mm-hmm. and I also, after I've thought about it more for a week, again, this is not my favorite flavor of Fargo, but as long as it doesn't fuck up the stakes, you know, as long as there, there, there's not some kind of unearned resolution to something that hinges on the fact that old Munch is actually a supernatural character. Um, and with rare exception, that is the case with the supernatural on Fargo. It's stuff that's like, ah, you know, it's, um, you know the, the 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 Coens like to inject this kind of magical reality into the the borders of that the, this world is wide and wonderful and weird stuff happens. It's inexplainable, kind of like you know uh, uh, jewels in Pulp Fiction. Like occasionally you're just going to have mm-hmm. an according to Hoyle miracle, and you might not have another one in your entire life, and you might never see or hear of one, but it might happen to you. And as long as it's that kind of stuff, and it doesn't it it doesn't you know undercut the what what they're what they're trying to do i think it'll be fine um and (laughs) you know roy is the type of dude that like talks to a life-sized crucifix of jesus and calls him partner you know and wants him to mosey up and be his co-pilot for this one like it's kind of appropriate to have the devil cover himself in shit and scrawl a bunch of uh, profane spells on your daughter's bedroom wall if you're kind of rolling that way like that's kind of secretly what roy wants right uh yeah yeah i'd suppose so that could be a sign that he's on the right track yeah yeah if if the if the lord's backing him against a, a battle against evil then he must be doing right so see himself as like a job character right yeah um, it's it's interesting that this thing uh, is about, like you said, the liar's paradox. Um, the liar's paradox, of course, if someone comes and says to you something along the lines of everything I say is a lie, you know, oh my God, well, if that's true, then you're telling me the truth. But if you're telling me the truth, then you can't be saying all lies. But if you're that, and that's when the, if you're a robot in Star Trek, the, the smoke starts rolling out your ears, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not sure exactly what the fit is. I mean, obviously, lots of people yep. are lying. Lots of people are of taking their version of the truth. Roy, you know, my deputy got in a drunk, you know, got in a vehicle accident, and I found this old bunch character who's bragging about killing the state. I'm gonna, he's like the Adam Savage quote from MythBusters. Unironically, I'm going to substitute uh, my own reality here. Yeah. Yeah, reject yeah, your reality. Reject, substitute my own. Substitute my own. Yeah, uh, and and Dot tries to do it, and Wilt calls her out. It's like you, that's not a thing. You can't have your own version of reality. That's something that unfortunately we all have to share. But it's like that's not a lie. That's just a someone lying. It's you know they're mm-hmm. not. Dorothy's not lying. Well, yeah, I'm I'm not sure if if because because usually there's a deeper connection there. This seems like it's almost an Alanis Morissette non sequitur. Uh-huh. You know, non sequitur. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I understand uh, what you mean there. I'm I'm not really picking up on exactly how the liar's paradox connects either. But th- there is there is something there with the idea of these characters substituting lies for truth and and feeling like there is no truth. And I, I don't know. 
I don't know exactly how the liar's paradox gets you there. Because liar's paradox yeah. is a, is about a contradiction, right? It's not it's right. not about the nature of truth or or lies. It's about the inherent contradiction in a particular statement. Uh huh. So I can I, don't I, know can exactly I also say I I spent um I don't know twenty thirty minutes reading about different uh solutions to the liar's paradox and whatnot, and I, sometimes philosophy gets into some really dumb shit, and this seems like one of those things. Oh yeah, you know? I, I don't didn't go down the rabbit hole as deep as you did apparently, but like the idea yeah. the the idea I mean, and I guess they would be like, well, you're not taking the the problem seriously. But like in real life, if someone came up and said everything that I say is a lie, well, they're just fucking with you, man. Yeah, they're yeah. just doing some verbal. You know, it's like if someone come up and said, oh, you know, the you can you can you can have a grammatically correct sentence in English language is buffalo, 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 buffalo and be like, how's this possible? It's it's a fucking it's a it's a word trick. It's a riddle. It's Sally sells seashells by the seashore for people with IQs 140 and above. I, I don't I don't get it. I, I can't believe how much fucking ink has been spilt. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. All the way back to the dark ages, man. I mean, in antiquity, it's it's thousands of years old people are writing about this. Aristotle's writing about it, right? 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 Uh which you know, he's he's thinking about the world and the nature of existence and all that and it 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 makes sense that he would be thinking about it, but yeah, I, I'm with you. It's like Okay, th- this is th- this is a quirk of an inherently imprecise construct of human beings, which is language, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, there are logical fallacies that that can be extracted from that, but isn't that simply because we have done a bad job defining the the thing? I agree. I it's like it's like it's it's like putting your fingers into a Chinese finger trap and being like, I cannot get myself out. All I can do <laughs> is withdraw my hands from each other because that's how you get out of a situation. And alas, it tightens me. It's like, well, you fucking put yourself into it. And also, all you got to do is put your fingers together, you dummy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get with this some sometimes I, I when I get into like simulation theory or brain in a vat type sure. stuff. There's a little bit, but that's that's. That's that. It's like I. That's the thing. It's like once someone decided there's like a brain in a vat. Why does anyone waste time on the liar's paradox? Could just go right to the. You know, how do you know if All anything's right. real, man? Yeah, I mean Aristotle <laughs> was right about that too. He so. just didn't have the idea of a uh, brain in a vat. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'm with you. We'll see how this stuff all connects, but uh, maybe we should get into the recap. Let's do it, man. You're listening to Fargo with Bald Move. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fargo on Bald Move. All right, Gator's crew makes their way inside Dot's house. We're picking up right where we left off last episode. Uh, they trigger her security system, but they they fight through it. It's not as it's not as violent a security system as I was expecting. Uh, at least not initially. Eventually, Wayne makes a panic decision and gets electrocuted unconscious, setting the house on fire in the process. Dot and Scotty have to haul him onto the roof and toss him off to escape Gator. Eventually, the authorities show up and scare off Gator's crew as Dot watches her house burn. So, um, like I said, I, I thought that once the scene got going, it flowed pretty well, and I was pretty engaged. Um, there's like five minutes of lead up 
that seemed excessive mm-hmm. to me where I know you like Hitchcock is like, well, it's not about the bomb exploded. It's about the audience knowing that there's a timer on the bomb, the bomb. It's like, but Hitchcock, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he'd spend six, you know, like, like five minutes cutting from, but, but well, it wasn't five I, minutes. I, it was seven days is one of the problems. What do you mean? Seven days? I mean, I've been waiting a week for this episode. Oh, right. And the tension was already um, built last episode. Yeah, but it's like they really, it's like room by room. This is a room that's going to be something into it. Nope. Oh, there's mm-hmm. a pan in the oven. What's going to happen with that? Back upstairs. Oh, there's a, there's a, there's another shut door. This is the child. Surely it's going to be something. Oh, a guy's looking under the bed. There's going to be something there. No, no. There's another dark closet, though. We can see in the and and open up this door and it's a mirror and i'm like oh for fuck's sake can the shit and i'm i'm i start getting distressed i'm like we have gone through the majority of the house and there's no there's no booby traps like you did a bad job booby trapping mama you know yeah i mean the only booby traps we see are the two that go off um the window and the sledgehammer but I'm sure it's weird more. to like electrify the windows and whatnot, but you don't like the only thing that you've got to protect the main entrances at the doors is a sledgehammer trap that you yourself have to trigger because the bad guys never are going to. And um, yeah, and but, a light bulb on the back door just to alert you, not even to keep them out. Yeah, like I and I'm I'm like when I saw that I'm like oh this is going to be like Kevin when he's got the uh, staircases covered in tar. That's like, oh, that's that's a that's you know, he's gonna Joe Creer's gonna catch that light bulb thinking he's doing something. That's just gonna set him up for the sixteen inch nail going through his foot, right? No. Mm-hmm. It just no, it, that was just supposed to drop and alert the her to their presence. So Yeah, I definitely found myself going I wish there were more booby traps. I, I and none of them none of them actually go off, right? It's it's not like this is an automated defense system. Uh, just waiting for the burglars to stumble into it. It's things that Dot has to actively make happen, or things uh-huh. that like don't really Wayne work. activates. So, like, like, let me ask you this: Why the oven? Why the pan left in the oven? Uh, I think it's confusion. I think it's to disorient the attackers, which I thought worked really well. Like the 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 lights and the sound and everything. And they're in an unfamiliar house. She knows the lay of the land. I think that was smart. Was all that triggered? Like, was the smoke alarm rigged to, like, cut off the lights? And... It must have been, yeah. Okay. Maybe that that maybe that makes sense then. Um, mm-hmm. I did wonder, too, why she wouldn't just call the cops as soon as the Pete, the... Oh, man, I know. She I don't think want she wants to come there. Because yeah. mm-hmm. the cops are what ultimately make the bad guys leave in this case. Uh, that and the, yeah. the fire the fire burning the entire house up but but uh-huh. you're more traps because i kept on I, I was watching the guys tiptoe around the drum kit i like, mean you got a drum kit right there you could have done something with mm-hmm. like you know rig the cable to, to they trip over it and it just knocks that thing over makes all kinds of rackets and uh i like the uh, rope ladder in the shoot the, rope, the rope ladder in the shoot was a really nice g- gag um the uh pepper spray slash throw you down the staircase was an effective combo <laughs> yeah the sledgehammer was pretty gruesome. Yeah, that's brutal. Uh, there are a couple of times where I'm looking. I I keep wanting to call him Steve Gator. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because the, there are a couple of times where he's going after her, and I think he 
he's even underestimating her in this scene and you'll see it later when he goes back to Roy or tries to go back to Roy and he's saying yeah she's a tiger uh, she's not yeah. a mouse uh, but she almost takes him out a couple of times once with that bat mm-hmm. uh, which you know Steve Stranger Things bat with nails in it it's all it's all really good yeah, when uh, he picks it up briefly and start, it's like, yeah, uh-huh. it's it's, the, it's Excalibur <laughs> in King Arthur's hands. Totally. Um, and then there's one time where she picks up a gun and just starts shooting at him, and he's like, taken aback that there's yeah. actual gunfire happening and his life is in danger here. Yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, he just totally underestimated her. He didn't believe all much about her being a tiger. Yeah. Um... Did you think that there's a little bit? Because obviously there's the Steve aspect of Stranger Things, but I thought with the leather jacket and whatnot, um, and like the strategic like kind of duct tape here and there, I thought they were kind of aping Negan style from The Walking Dead. Okay, like like the short it. cropped hair and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I thought he was cutting kind of like that kind of figure, and and they have been referencing zombies a lot in this season, so I thought maybe that's another subtle one. Oh yeah, I mean Wayne. I, I thought it was perfect when Wayne gets electrocuted in this scene with him as a zombie. Mm-hmm. He's in the makeup still, mm-hmm. so he's all pale, and he like makes him, tenses yeah. up and just falls backward, and he might be dead. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Fucking poor Wayne. Oh man, he's oof, literally I mean, down bad this episode. Uh, yeah, <laughs> when she rolls him off the roof. Uh, I, there's a couple there's a couple things I, I thought people got off a little easy uh the sledgehammer person looks like they got incapacitated which is fair enough i don't see how that guy literally tanked this toilet tank lid to the head and mm, didn't get a mm-hmm. skull crushed in do you know how fucking heavy those lids are dude oh yeah i've lifted a, a lid or two from a toilet and she she put it down on his head with like blunt force trauma yeah go mom as Scotty and says. Uh, and that was after she had uh, almost uh, guillotined him with the the um, the the attic ladder. So I, I don't know. I felt like her body count should have been a little bit higher. Yeah, who who that has seen Home Alone would ever pull that cord? I would never pull that cord. Or if I did, I'd pull it standing to the side. I I don't know, and I'd probably mm-hmm. be like. Like Marv and, you know, that's exactly what he wanted me to do is stand to the side and pull it. Yeah, I thought they were that's what they were going with a few things where it was going to be, oh, this is just softening you up for the, the, the main blow. But it never kind of panned out that way. But it is it's uh, I, I think this is a much funner Home Alone because the first one in the first episode, that's more of a subversion of Fargo, the original movie. Then it was a Home Alone montage. This is or homage. Mm-hmm. This is this is definitely the the good stuff. Um, what did you think of your interaction with Gator? Uh, um, that's when I knew that they really don't want to, they don't want to harm her. They just want to bring her back. Right. Like when he takes off his mask, I was really surprised that he did that a uh-huh. and B it shows that he's like, cause he could have got her right then and there. He had mm. the drop on her, I think. What do you think about does this impact any of the theories because you know we've had the what i consider kind of an out there theory that gator is uh nadine's son um there is a moment in here that i thought the same um 
I can't remember the exact line, but there's some mention of a mother in this. He calls her mama. In this scene? But I, in Does kind he call of like, okay. it kind of like in the way that that happens in the South or the Midwest, where like, you know, once Maybe. a person, once a woman becomes a mother, they're kind of mama, just like the dad becomes papa or daddy or. Maybe. Maybe. I'll keep it But an it's eye a weird it. thing. It'd be a weird thing. Like the way he used it, it'd be weird if she, he was her actual. I, I I didn't get, I didn't get mother son at all. At all. At all? Wow. Nah. Okay. No. Nah. I'm keeping an eye on it. Uh, I was really concerned for Wayne this entire time after he gets electrocuted because I'm like, well, this fire is going to burn the house down. They're not trying to stop it, let alone if they could stop it at all. Uh, and they're on the roof. What are they going to do? <laughs> you know, he's passed out. He's not waking up. She just rolls him right off the rooftop. Yeah, I, as I was thinking, it's like, okay, am I going to buy Juno Temple, like, carrying this Muscling guy fireman down style down? It's like, I don't know that I buy that. And I'm like, well, what if no. she gets, like, some some uh, Christmas tree lights and kind of rigs up a harness and, like, lowers them down? I'm like, I don't okay. know if I believe the time. And as I was processing that, she just rolls them off like a Lincoln log. And I'm like, well, okay, uh-huh. I guess. I guess you'd probably survive that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's worth it. Because he's certainly going to die if you leave him in the, the room in the fire. Who knows what mm-hmm. uh, Gator's going to do to him. So, yeah, as long as he doesn't land on his head, he's probably going to be okay. Yeah, she did it about as well as you could, I think. And that last shot of the house burning while she looks at it, I, I feel like this is her new life burning up, right? This is it. This is a moment where... Yeah. It's gotten out of her control. It's too big to hide anymore. But she's she still going to try. She's still going to try yeah, her level at the hospital best. later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, you you know, the fire department's on the way. I think the the cop who comes in and alerts Witten and Dira about this later says, yeah, they're investigating what happened. They're, they're going to see that this was not accidental. Maybe. I mean, there are bullet holes in the walls. The, the windows are wired with electrical uh with with electrical wiring like this wasn't natural causes here but they said so like first of all um i want to put my real life hat on and say uh fire for in- the, the the forensics teams of fire departments are quite good and mm-hmm. it's shocking how well they can sleuth out how a fire begins even with a surprising amount of destruction cloaking it you know you'd think a house mm-hmm. burnt down to the foundations it'd be impossible to trigger but i'll be damned they they can do that a lot of times i don't know that the writing team of fargo knows that and i'm wondering if them having the captain come up and be like oh gee there's a five alarm at the at the at, at the the lion estate if that's them saying that that's such a hot inferno conflagration all the evidence is going to burn up there's not going to be any walls with bullets in them there's not going to be there might be some wires but dot i mean dot did said there's some faulty christmas wiring so i wonder I, because i think in real life no fucking way you get away with this no fucking mm-hmm. shot mm-hmm. but i wonder if holly thinks that making it be a five alarm fire whatever the fuck that means in a small town you know five fire departments converging for one for one residential fire or if he's just saying it was a hell of a fire i wonder if they're going to say that like wow you just it's uh, the evidence is all burnt up i guess my question would be where where do the cops go from here if the evidence is all burned up 
Well, I mean, they've got her at the scene of a major crime. Like, they don't have to, you know, it's not their, her word versus, I mean, they've got her on tape on doing video, some yeah. stuff. So, I mean, I, it feels like she could be compelled. But she could just stonewall. She could continue to stonewall. Couldn't just they charge say, her with a no. crime, like obstruction of justice? Like, you won't even, you know, like, you were there. You have information about this. You have, I guess you could fifth, plead the fifth. Mm-hmm. Or forget conveniently. I mean, there are many, there are many ways yeah. that she can continue to stonewall. I, I guess I, I'm looking for this story to actually get really going. Like, I, I mean, it has been going, but it's a one-sided thing here. I guess I'm looking for the other shoe to drop. Because if she's and, taken and, into police custody, then that's I don't think Roy is going to get his militia together and like bust her out the, of the prison. Yeah, yeah. like storm like something out of banshee or something i I don't think that's going to happen so she has to be kind of like in the wind because if uh one side or the other finally catches her i think we're in in season mode and a little little early for that so i I agree i I don't know where they're going but it seems like she's going to try to hold on to keep holding on to this delusion as long as she can and yeah and her family supporting it and yeah with wayne kind of being incapacitated that because he's the other person that could directly contradict, you know, and and, and give evidence, get, talk talk about information and things. So if he's, yeah, I don't know what the status of Wayne is. <laughs> his brain's still scrambled. Who knows? <laughs> he's got the brain scramblies. Yeah, my wife. He just, mm-hmm. just he's a Borat machine now. Oh God, is that what's happening in his head? Just Borat twenty four seven. Oh no. Yeah, just all unitards and <laughs> great. All right, um, so we talked about almost a third of the episode here with that first scene. Uh, Let's move over to Roy talking to Jesus about the coming crossroads, and he asks him for his help in their hour of need. Then he goes back to his house where he finds an open door and muddy footprints. So he grabs a gun, he starts to sweep, and in his children's room he finds some kind of symbol scrawled on the wall in blood or mud or shit or something i don't know what what it's scrawled in probably all of the above why not all three yeah why not everything? yeah but it's uh old much has left his calling card there's a yeah, warning I, I saw some people trying to decide what that symbol is like i didn't see anybody making much of it and i i don't it seems invented I mean, for the show it's it's arcane runery you know yeah yeah. If you could decipher it, into, it means it's Jules luck. saying no. It's just some it, cold it, shit to say to somebody before you kill him, right? I don't know what. Right. It means. <laughs> I mean, it might mean like luck, moon, death. But what the fuck does that going to mean in this uh, in the context of the season? Who knows? Um, I, I but I I like this. I thought it's interesting. Did you did you think it's interesting that Roy is addressing Jesus like an equal? He's not like you <laughs> yeah, know friend or whatever. Uh, my father, you know, heavenly father. You know, I I humbly beseech you on my knees. He's just like open body language, arms not crossed, facing up up there, and like, well, old friend, we're in the shit again. Like, well, if Jesus is what the they call him, the King among kings. The I was about to say that they they do position Roy as an arrogant king. So, but I, I yeah. think they're reinforcing that. Like, this is not mm-hmm. a you know what did the Sean Connery say in the. In the last crusade, this is not the penitent man that kneels before God. This is Absolutely a man not, who yeah. doesn't think he's committed sins. Uh, mm-hmm. Doesn't think he has anything to forgive. Uh, he just wants uh, he just wants prosperity, Jesus, to bless him. Yeah, I take it this old Baylor Mays guy he's talking about is a previous case that he worked on, or I, it's something that haunts him apparently uh, from his past. 
do you think he literally says that he saw dark figure crouching behind him or is he is is this like in a Russ Cole kind of way? I mean, you know? I assume that, but I don't know what Fargo's take on that is, so yeah. who knows? Like like was he speaking poetically is like this I I've fought yeah. evil before and that's evil and I could you know metaphorically see the devil whispering in his ear or are we actually talking about the midnight man i looked up the midnight man i don't think that's like a real established thing of lore that's not like a traditional name for the devil uh it's a 2016 movie Uh uh-huh um it's a song but nothing that like ties you ties it to any kind of representation of the devil so i it's um it feels like Roy's kind of got like his own modern take on Christianity. Mm-hmm. He's filed some a few serial numbers off. He's inventing his own, some of his own lore. Yeah, Midnight Man with a serpent tongue. Yeah. All right, let's go over to the hospital. Um, Scotty and. Dot are in the lobby. Scotty asks about what happened tonight, and Dot works with her to make up a story about what happened to Wayne. Tries to reassure her that they're good people and bad things don't happen to good people. This is a wild scene. This is Dot scrambling her, mixing her daughter's memories like she does Bisquick. Just aggressively (laughs) Uh for two, like it, it, it is, um, this is not good parenting. This is really abusive, crippling shit. Gaslighting, uh, all all of the above, and 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 encouraging the child to take the ta- you know to, to 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 take a part of it, and like mm-hmm. making her feel responsible. You're complicit now. We're in this together. Um, this is some this is some real bad shit, man. And it's all at the expense of the father too. So it's also isolating. You know, it's like us girls are in this thing together. Dad's kind of a dumb dumb clumsicle and uh-huh. you know we got to protect him and nobody else will honey so you got and there's a lot of like it feels like she started channeling Roy at the end there like all this stuff she's talking about the wicked stick to the darkness where the, the yeah, us good people get God to stay in the it. light that's that's mm-hmm. Roy talking right and if we follow the rules with the reward is the kingdom of heaven like this is righteous this is something ordained by God it's yeah it's fucked up do you think that maybe Dot uh, was like a child bride in some kind of weird rural fundamentalist splinter of Christianity and these are the things she was told as a little girl to groom her to be the bride of someone like Roy and then she woke up and escaped and now she's regressing or she's looking back to those toolkits to try to save her daughter could be yeah I mean they're useful tools in a situation where you need them but also they're pretty damaging yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of like that Vietnam contradiction. You had to destroy the village to save the village from communism. Like you're yeah. having to destroy my daughter to save my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, ugh, it was gross. <laughs> this is a real gross scene. Yeah, I'm curious to see uh, Scotty in the future because Scotty seems cool. But yeah, it's stuff like this that's going to really twist her She's up. She's only nine years old, man. There's still plenty mm-hmm. of time to fuck that up. I know. <laughs> Plenty yeah. of time. Uh, so Wit and Indira review the security cam footage of the gas station attack, uh, but Old Munch is not in it. The lights went out. They didn't get him. Uh, it's a shame because they had that exact angle too. They would have got him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're puzzled as to why Dot would pretend this didn't happen. 
And then the captain comes in and tells them there's a fire at the lion house and they rush off to investigate. Yeah, I thought it was funny that Indira takes off like a shot. She just got her she's got her keys, her coat already on. She's barreling for the door and Wilt yeah. has to like grab his stuff, get on his crutches, limp after after her. I thought that was some kind of uh But it's it's um you know, one of those insoluble things. Like what is why why would a person get this involved in this life and death thing and then, you know, just just act this nakedly heroic and then be like, Oh, none of that no, this didn't happen. That wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Like what the f- yeah, no, it's a puzzle to be solved. We have that puzzle piece. They don't. Yeah, um, yeah, we do. I it, it's but but I will say this: like, I'm the longer this goes on, the more of like, why aren't we just bringing the police in? Like, is she somewhat culpable for some crimes that she helped Roy commit, and then got the better? Because like, why can't you just go with the story of like I was in this abusive cult? sex slavery type of situation and uh, I fled from it and now these mad people have found me and I need protection like yeah that's the thing that's changed here is they've she now knows that they found her and that's that should be in my mind the time when she says okay jigs up now it's time to go to the authorities but she's still stonewalling them and I there's there's gotta be either real or imagined culpability that would put her in prison or something if all the truth came out or she she's worried about her daughter she doesn't want her daughter to uh view her as something other than like the image she's built yeah as her mother uh she doesn't want to lose this life she's constructed but it's gone man (laughs) you don't think that she's convinced that roy no one can protect her from roy because i'd have a hard time believing someone apparently as smart as dot would think that the most powerful sheriff in North Dakota could do shit to her in like a Minnesota state prison. Yeah, but no, maybe. I'm with you, but she might. She might be paranoid enough to think that. Yeah, and and also if he has, I don't know if he's got the connections inside the prison. If he's like works the Aryan Brotherhood the right way, maybe he could. Maybe she is touchable. I I don't know, but it, that would start to strain my my credibility and my belief. Because it feels like Roy's besieged right now. It doesn't feel like he could splash out on that kind of operation, even if he could. So, yeah, he's not showing it. I mean, if if that's true, he doesn't really feel like a man who is under fire here. Um, because with the FBI, I don't, he doesn't take the FBI seriously, which is strange. But I mean, I mean he's worried enough to murder to a it. kid. He's worried enough to murder a kid and trying to blame that on old Munch so he can get all this pressure to go away. Uh huh. Yeah. It feels like but it's it's like yeah, it feels isn't quite out of hand, him. but it's starting to slip through the fingers. You know. Yeah, I could see it. And he's probably pretty pissed at Gator right now for not getting the job done. I will say one thing that um, a person pointed out on Reddit that I haven't been able to stop thinking about is that. Um, John Hamm has not raised his voice once this season, which okay. subconsciously gives him a huge aura of power and control. Because even as shit's going sideways, even as his son's disappointing him, even as his men are being killed, he's just always that. He's Don Draper pitching the Kodak carousel, man. I was gonna say has that's your, this 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 uh, tobacco is not cancerous; it's toasted. Like he's got that same just unflappable calm, and it it is giving him. Like you mentioned, like 
I don't think he's embattled. Holy shit, I think he's super embattled, but he doesn't seem like it. Sure. I don't think I've ever seen John Hamm raise his voice. I'm trying to think through Madman, like when would I have seen him get? Surely he did in like Baby Driver when he was like a psychotic, you know, super villain. Like he had, but but you're right, his he doesn't uh, scream a lot. Yeah, I mean, I guess his version of getting excited and screaming is he, is he yelled at Peggy when he said like that's what the money's for, right? I think he raised his voice. Surely, perhaps. Yeah, but it's so rare. It is very. I guess rare. it would stand out more. It should stand yeah. out more because it's so rare. But yeah, you don't see him do that very often. Yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely gives him a mystique. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, the guy in the trunk's trying to get out. We'll be right back. We'll put the ads in the wood chipper. Welcome back. All right, let's go over to Indira getting a call from a debt collector as Lorraine uh, explains to a journalist about how the calls from her company um, supply in-debt Americans with what they really want, which is not a handout, but an opportunity to fix the problem themselves. Uh, And then she's told the Wayne's house is on fire. Yeah, we uh, at the individual level, we're all about personal accountability. If you slide up to the corporate level, mm-hmm. there's, a lot more hand, there's a lot more handouts. A lot more like, what the hell were we supposed to do? You know? What do you want us to do? Go bankrupt? Want to lay off all these employees? You better bail. Yeah, it's 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 a oh, double yeah, standard. The- I think that more and more Americans are kind of waking up to it. That, like, maybe we shouldn't feel embarrassed to take things when we need them because... That's certainly how the 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 other half lives. They do. <laughs> the and other this half is of the one percent. This is what I was talking about when I said there's a debt accruing on the other side of this, right? Like they yeah. are paying for their own freedom with so many other people's misery. Yep. Eventually, that's going to come. The bill's going to come due on that. And and as the freedoms become more and more ephemeris, like I just want to be able to do whatever I want all the time without any restrictions. When other people are yeah. starving, other people are dying because of lack of medical care. That's yeah. That's the kind of balance that that does have to eventually get uh, reconciled in the old books. Yeah, when you realize you're living under the rule of kings, uh, yeah. and you have no freedoms, <laughs> it becomes a problem for the kings. Um, did you get the? Uh, is, is there a possibility that Indira that this is a targeted action? Because she's the lead investigator that they're trying to make kind of go away and. I, I kind of the way they juxtapose this, I think they're telling us that the the lion company is there. There's, you know, I mean, because she does she does owe the debt, so debt collectors could be after her. But I, I do feel like there's the timing a suspect of it. Uh, yeah, these are these are specialists. Aaron, debt collectors uh-huh. have a bad reputation. These are uh, debt help specialists. I forget what it's they call true. them. It's true. She feels humiliated, and they're giving her her dignity back. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's yeah. And I know we have a significant number of non-Americans listening, but like, <laughs> it's it's very hard for I think Europeans and and people living in the British Isles and whatnot to understand the fact that you could get hurt on your job, you could get your finger degloved, and that's your problem, man. Now I think at at work there's like you know workman's comp and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but broadly speaking. 
Well, at certain types of work, <laughs> not all. Yeah. Of them. Yeah. Broadly speaking, if you get hurt or you get injured, uh, you get sick, it is your fucking responsibility. And everything is just god awful expensive. Like you call a hospital, you got to call an ambulance, take it to the hospital. That's going to be at least a thousand, probably upwards of five thousand dollars. Mm hmm just to take the ride to the, the I hospital. I was shocked that that medical bill was only $2,600. I did for a D-glove finger. I'm uh -huh. like, where the hell did they go? I need that. I need to be in that insurance network. I need to move to I Minnesota. Mean, she's a cop, so I'm sure her insurance is fairly good, but that seems like a small amount to pay for such a gruesome injury. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's why uh, yeah. his swing's so shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's got half a finger. Yeah, is the, what, I don't. I wonder what's the most important finger for golfing. Uh, I don't know. The thumb. They, I mean, if you can't grip the club, <laughs> that's then true. You can't swing it. That's true. But the thumb is not a finger. But um, you got to link the the pinky and the the forefinger, and that's uh -huh, that's like your uh -huh. right pinky and your left your left forefinger. Really. You don't have to do it. I don't think Tiger Woods is out there. I mean, hell, you just I grab that thing Roy... like a baseball bat and take it take it for a spin. Do what you want out there. For a happy Gilmore, <laughs> seen... <laughs> get a running start, you know? You can do that everywhere yeah. in the world except for Top Golf to throw you out for that shit. But, yeah, go nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there, there's inevitable questions that come after, you know, giving them an opportunity to fix it themselves. What if they can't? What if they can't fix it themselves? Then what? Is... So the Lions have made a lot of money. Are, is there any signs in this scene that they're embattled a bit themselves? Because I noticed this Forbes interview is combative. He's mm -hmm. expressing skepticism that you could make $1.5 billion out of essentially written off bad debt. Which either they I mean, are... If this is happening in 2019, in, yeah, they would be embattled. Um, they are either putting an inhuman amount of pressure on very poor people and wringing it out of them, or they're cooking the books in some some way. Mm -hmm. I think it's the former. That seems to be okay. the mo. All right. I don't know. Like I said, if if if, if this because uh, I don't think Forbes gives a shit about them making money off the back breaking the backs of the poor. I think Forbes would give a shit if they are giving, you know, the FTC invalid information about their books. Because that's some serious shit. I mean, do you think the purpose of this interview... This, so this isn't the Forbes person, also. I don't know who this it is. It No. Uh, she says that she... When she gets to the hospital, she says to Dot, like, you fucked up my Forbes interview yesterday. I was supposed to have it be sitting down for 20 minutes with, with them. I thought now. what she said is, you fucked up the makeup Forbes interview that I had to reschedule from yesterday because of the bullshit that you did. Like, this is the second time now she's had to interrupt this interview to go help out Dot. Uh, yeah, maybe which she is, was speaking which, by interrupting that interview. I, which is true, that, that might also this. explain the hostility that the, the reporter's kind of like, are you fucking with me? Are you not taking me seriously? And Yeah, this is the second time that we've tried this. Now. <laughs> That's what happened a third. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. They, they definitely seem like... I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a false sense of security she has or a an earned sense of security, but it, there is there are a lot of cracks showing, you know, and mostly it's around Dot. Um, I think her facade, the only time I've seen it slip is when she was talking to Dot in the kitchen and mm -hmm. Dot, you know, started attacking her and she had no response to that, really. Uh, but other than that, she seems pretty calm about everything 
Uh, so yeah, she goes over to the hospital, starts trying to get Wayne the best care that money can buy. Of course, this is not a hotel, so she can't demand service. Um, Indira and Wit show up to talk to Dot, but it's made difficult by Graves and Dorothy both denying reality. What is the Saudi package? I mean, you fly in the best doctors, uh, you get round-the-clock nursing staff. I mean, what, what does the American medical system have to offer? Get us that. The best of the best. Um, do you think that uh, Graves actually gets uh, this nurse fired? But she's like, get get have her fired. She's fired for just uh, saying, "Ma'am, this is this is not a restaurant. This is not a hotel. This is a hospital." I can't tell yet how much of just a blowhard she is, and how much power she actually has in this community. And she says she she's friends with one of the board of directors, and like she could get her fired. I. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's always this. This Graves guy is always going around like he's going to do something. Every time she tells him to do this or do that, he kind of like starts mm-hmm. walking away and getting his cell phone out. Like, but I don't know how much is that to placate her. And where's uh, uh Dog the Bounty Hunter? Where's the guy from Vegas? True. I expected to what? see some of that this episode. I guess that was early. Yeah, like maybe that that's the night of that conversation. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I mean, it would take a while to get from Vegas to Minnesota. But uh, yeah. what uh, the uh, have we got to the point where Wilt starts kind of sweating dot? Uh-huh. I thought this is a very interesting scene that she is just desperate to keep this story going. You know, like no one's buying it. She understands is buying it, but she's trying to now like appeal to Minnesota nice ideas of well i'm uh i've got my, my husband's side you can't possibly ask me to leave that I, i've got my daughter here i and see like as one by one those legs are kicked out from underneath her and finally wilt just sits down and is like hey i recognize you i know mm-hmm. you and even if i did you're on we the got tape. videotape of you and that line with all due respect we have our own reality it's not a thing that product should have expired like a decade ago. I, I it's like it, but yet it keeps getting worse. Like there's mm-hmm. unironically flat earth people trying to colonize our social media to spread the lies that NASA and everybody else is in on the fact that like this was a joke when I was growing up. Like the yeah. archetypal example of someone who has huffed their own farts and has lost brain cells as a result. You're going to get into flat earth and moon landing and jet. Now it's 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 like the lingua franca of this fucking country. It's wild. Um, yeah, I don't know if Fargo's going to fix it, but yeah, it's I don't even understand the cause. I don't understand the cause, let alone the solution. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just not I, wired that way to ever accept something so obviously ridiculous. I feel like the cause, broadly speaking, is like a lot of people being asleep at the wheel for a generation or two. And, you know, you wake up and like, oh, my God, the, you know, the flat, the flat earthers people have got their hands on the wheel. What's happening? But, yeah, um, other than that, it's 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 a lot harder to, to draw the actual cause and effect here. Well, I don't less understand to do the cause it. to believe it, not 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 the cause to not have done anything about it, but the cause to believe it. Like what makes a person who is otherwise not I, I, medically insane believe something like that. 
it seems like that stuff is correlated with um, people who have very little control in their lives um, and might, you know, have feel like they've been passed by by society and they're not as um and and it it it's 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 it gives them a feeling of specialness like they have special knowledge they are the ones clever enough to see through the wool that's being pulled over the entire world's eyes so it makes them it appeals it flatters their you know but like factually it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like hard to reason someone out of something they didn't reason themselves into yeah yeah you know uh i don't know man i will never but i'm on it. team wilt this is just not how it works you know, there mm-hmm. is a re- there's one reality we all share, and the people who deny it do so to their long term detriment. Although it seems like you can make a lot of hay in the short term. Yeah, um, it's kind of stymieing the investigation here. You know, yeah, it's not entirely because there is an objective reality that they're investigating, and they're finding out things through that objective reality. But boy, it's not helped by substituting your own reality. This reminds um, me a lot. Were you familiar with that case that happened? Uh, I think it was just slightly pre-pandemic, where a woman faked her own abduction, like Gone Girl style, had an ex-boyfriend, like you know, pick her up, and they staged a burglary, and then she lived at his house for like three months, and you know, the husband was like desperate to find her, and then she just turns up like in like on the side of the road wearing chains. And, you know, she's got this wild story of uh, these these guys that took her and like tortured her and did all this stuff. And it turns out that like, yeah, her and his ex-boyfriend did all this stuff. And the I I watched a a, a police recording of the final kind of like interrogation they did of her where it's like she had her and her husband and they're like just laying out. It's like, look, we know your stories, but the links that this woman went and like they kind of did not. I wonder how much of this is like Holly's basing on that that real life story because the delusionalness, the delusionality, the depths of the delusion that Dot's suffering from, uh, mm-hmm. remind me a lot of that. Where it's just like she is just so desperate because she knows she's fucked up so hard. Um, but that that was just apparently a woman like bored and just wanting attention. I there's I something to say, more was, going on. Was Dot. there a was there a charge? Uh, after that, was she charged with a crime? Yeah, she was. She's in. She, I think she's in jail time. right now. Yeah, like committing false sort of police report, obstruction of justice. Oh There's yeah, a, she's There's, filing she police got, reports. I suppose so. But uh, what, obstruction I, of what justice? That's well. There's no I mean, justice to ever be had. <laughs> like, I would argue that her husband and daughters, uh, she put them through a mental ordeal. But, oh, I like, thought they were I, in yeah. on it. Okay, okay, no, mind, no, the mind. husband and the, his family was like, no, it's it's it, her and an ex concocted this plan to. Oh, her and an ex. Okay, yeah. I thought it was her and her family concocted this plan. No, <laughs> like, no, they they were just yeah, gave police to run around for this three is, months. and he even kind of sounded a little bit like Wayne on like the nine one one calls and. Wow, yeah, huh. I, to, maybe, I, 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 I can't that. remember the name of the case. Maybe I'll look it up for next week, or if it, I'm sure there's probably a lot of true crimers that might be familiar with it. But it's it's a bizarre. I'm sure there's thing. a podcast about it at this point. Oh, has to probably seventeen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Dot is told that Wayne's awake, and she goes to see him and tries to get their story straight. But he is, well, let's call it in shock. He's speaking in single words. It doesn't. I, I don't know if any of what she's saying is getting through to him, except. He, she's his wife uh, she apologizes to him and says she's gonna fix this how 
man, Wayne, that uh, my wife and the way he said it, like with slightly different inflections and the, the final time, because I, I think in some at some level, like I'm not sure if he's we're dealing with a locked in situation where he's fully aware, but like yeah. the connection between brain and body is a little shaken or if he's just extremely limited. But on some level, it's penetrating that her lies have hurt him and their family is why mm-hmm. what my inter- my interpretation of this um okay i could see it that there, there's some he's aware that like the things that she is saying is not lining up with his actual experience and these lies are the same ones she was telling that got him in this i think that's what, well, that's the first what i was thing getting he out. says is nadine which yeah. to me says he remembers that something here was not matching up and uh, and like the, the 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 disappointment and the hurt when he says my wife and that was in response to her essentially trying to say oh no you shocked yourself trying to do the wires and it was an accident and all that like mm-hmm. there's something to that his reaction where he is dismayed that this is still happening I I, I could be wrong because this is all just me I, I thought this was a fantastic scene and that guy did mm-hmm. uh a hero like a heroic acting performance with with what he's was given um and it's just <laughs> sad man. It it reminds me of like uh you know a, a zombie uh, lurching toward you saying brains right all he can do is speak in one word and they were the zombie hunters and they finally got mm. the zombie and now like Wayne is an actual zombie it's yeah I, I think it's really kind of hilarious in one way and very sad in the other yeah. There is some definitely humor in the performance at the beginning, but it's pretty pathos by the end, I thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Her, like, assisting him to cuddle her was oof. And this is, you know, also the scene where the guy's shouting about getting his enema, and, like, there's a lot of comedy there, too. Is that... That was tickling my brain like it was a direct reference to a Conan... A Cohen Brothers situation, but I didn't see anybody talking about mm. it on the Fargot V subreddit, and... Yeah, it just seemed Can't like very specific anything. dialogue of this guy. Um, but it's it's interesting because, um, you know, uh, what would Dot say about it? Like some people don't know how to wait their turn. I mean, I don't know. If you're getting your six feet of your intestines removed tomorrow, if a surgery is going to save you from cancer particularly, I'd be I'd be a little worried about my enema too. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. There, there's timing that needs to happen here. Uh, and if you're a couple hours late, you might not be able to get your operation. Yeah, there's something about like Dot blowing off this guy's very real concerns versus how she's addressing her or how she's like addressing her concerns and like put and her kind of delusions are putting her family at risk. There's, there's something interesting there. I'm not I don't quite have my hands on it. <laughs> yeah. don't, can't quite get my hands around that six feet of intestine and, and what it means. It's slippery. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the FBI agents go to their boss and tell him what they know about Roy Tillman's nefarious activities. They want to send Roy a message to respect the law. And the boss encourages him to think one step ahead by asking what happens next when they go to war with Roy. Uh, one of the agents is disappointed that his boss isn't upholding his duties, but that is quickly overridden by the news that Nadine has been found. Do you think the agent here is jumping to a bit of a conclusion that his boss agrees with Roy. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not a hundred percent sympathetic to what the boss says in this scene, but Agreed. I think, yes, it is smart to think one step ahead. The consequences of your actions need to be thought out before you take those actions. And it also these agents like, well, if there's, he's, he's doing, he's doing these things, then do the police work, make the case, get a charge right now. You're just being like, I think, I think, I think I'm seeing a whole bunch of fishy stuff here and I think it's fishy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this guy coming and being like, oh, well, you're on his side. I thought that was kind of a wild thing to accuse your boss of. But yeah, uh, I mean, it, it it could be, you know, there there's a lot of discussion now about various injustices within mm-hmm. a lot of our systems in society. And I think a lot of people jump to the conclusion that, well, we should just smash all that, right? We should just, we should just grab the things that are wrong with it and pull them out. Take a great leap forward, you'd say? Sure, why not? Uh, uh-huh. And I think those people might be like the FBI uh, agents here who have not thought the one step ahead. What what do we put in place of it? You know, the power vacuum. Uh, once that's created, what happens then? Yeah. And, I mean- and, and it's 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 a reckless attitude, I guess, though, I, though I'm largely sympathetic to that idea. Like, yes, when you see injustice and you see wrongs being committed take a fucking sledgehammer to those things because those are those are a poison to the system that they're in but at the same time if you just take a sledgehammer to everything you see you're eventually not going to have anything so yeah it's the reason that france has had five republics is because there was a lot of leaping before looking done um, sure in in the zeal to smash oppressive systems but it's like you know, if if you're living under one of those things, like being told be patient, wait for the process to work yeah. its through itself, like that's uh, the, the that's the agent's frustration here. It's like, well, we know there's wrong shit going on. Let's just jump in there and, but you know, that's uh, I mean, the the their boss is like reading from the the little black book on communism. The you know Mao killed anywhere between 15 million at minimum to up to 50 million Chinese just with bad economic policy. Mm-hmm. You know, the the sparrows are eating our grain. Kill all the sparrows. Now you got all you the got, locusts you, eating our grain. Yeah, yeah. You, you got you got a, a, a trillion locusts instead of a billion uh, sparrows. So, and I thought it's like, but but also like zoom out. It's like, so what is he saying that the North Dakota, the state of North Dakota, is a finely tuned house of criminal cards that? You start kicking. I mean, it might literally be true, but that's a hell of a thing to say about a sovereign state in America. It, it feels a little defeatist uh, mm-hmm. to me. Like, well, you know, this is the way our system is, and it's it's this finely tuned machine, and we don't want to break it. So that's just how it's going to have to be. But yeah, eventually, Elliot Ness has to go into Chicago and make Al Capone stop selling liquor. Or right. else, what's the point of laws? Like, that's probably going to make a lot of blood in the streets flow and a lot of violence and stuff. But, like, it's either that or it's to say, well, fuck it. Let's let, we'll let the criminals run these this area of the country because it's a backwater like Tatooine and the, the Republic just doesn't stretch mm-hmm. that far, you know? Yeah. I mean, ideally, you'll have plans. You know, if you're going to if you're going to tear down the house. You'll have plans to build a new one before you tear down the house, but yeah, secure the construction site, make sure it gets built up right this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a tough question, and I think like scenes like this do illustrate that. I'm not, I'm not all on one side of this thing, right? Yeah, and that's why it's FBI... so hard to fix a lot of things, is because it is complicated. 
And, and if things are that fucked up, it should be relatively easy to uncover to malfeasance. So, sure, sure. You know, Mulder and Scully get busy finding the truth out there. Unless just you're just doing it as a, a hobby. I, I mean, yeah. that's that's the thing. The, the more troubling thing I think he's saying here is don't bother with it. Make it a hobby. Like, you work on this on your own time, but right now we need you doing other things, catching the real bad guys, right? That definitely is the closest to feeling like he is trying to cover for Roy, for sure. Right. Yeah. He doesn't quite take them off the case, but he might as well have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found it funny that Odin's last name is Little. I don't know. It feels like he's trying to, like they're trying to strike a balance there with this guy's name. Yeah. This mighty Norse god. Itty bitty mm-hmm. surname. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, they describe Nadine as the second wife. Yeah. Is Roy I, a bigam? Was it bigamist? Po- polygamist? Polygamous? Polygamous. I think it's polygamist. Yeah. I, that's what that implied to me, but I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I wonder what happened to the first one. Or did I mean, they the first both one get married? might still be his wife, oh, his current shit. wife. Oh, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, that might be interesting. I don't know if, if Roy was living a double life, like he had the two families, or if he if they were all living together and this was like just the remote the compound open. suggests they were they might have and he's got like yeah. he's, he's got a church on that property it wouldn't surprise me that there's like another house and that he just kind of like this is my monday wife tuesday wife or i don't know I, I mean i guess my question is did they know about each other the wives mm, good question seems, almost seems like they would have to if they I were living on so. the ranch together i would think so yeah. Like in this type of like, this isn't the guy that's having a secret family on the other coast. This is a guy right. who's like getting off and having his light up fetish box. I think the women knowing about it is part of the kink. <laughs> Probably. You know, speaking Fucking of kinks, hell. old munch sitting in the tub talking about the cost of freedom. It's always death. That's how I get off. Uh, he explains to, I'm going to call her mama, that it's either him or her. It's doggy dog. Uh, and she asks why he's here, what he wants, and he replies, pancakes. <laughs> it's a funny end to the scene. Any connection between Nadine's biscuit, Bisquick, or I guess, are we calling her Nadine or Dot? I guess Dot I is her, her chosen Dot. name. I'm going to go with yeah. Dot. It's more Wizard of Oz that way, too. You got Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a connection between the Bisquick, prominent Bisquick uh, product placement, and Ooh. him desiring pancakes? Is she going to be able to soothe the beast with pancakes? Um, that's a really good question. I hadn't thought about it. It's going to be tough and rubbery. It's going to be a t- tough sell, but, uh, yeah. you know. Huh. I don't know what they're getting at with that. I'll think about it. He mentioned that only kings have the privilege of having wants that the common man needs to content himself with just being free of death, free of hunger for one day at a time mm-hmm. when, you know, quote unquote, mama asks him what he wants. And he responds with pancakes. Is this him becoming a king himself? Cause he's now has one. And then the way he delivered that is like, yeah, it felt to me like it, the first time anyone asked him what he wanted. Mm hmm. Yeah. He bought pancakes. He's he's royalty now. I wonder if he sees it that way. Because I he that sees is sort it of the implication of the dialogue. 
there's like a transformation of his character when she said that, that his whole countenance changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there wasn't he could be a king, whereas before he he never he yeah. never even considered the idea. Yeah, and I don't think that this lady's not asking it in like any kind of motherly way. She's kind of like, "You're a madman. What do you want? You know, why are you here?" Yeah. Um, but the way he's perceiving it, I thought was is, was interesting. And and when he says, "It's either me or you," he's not literally telling this old woman, "I'm going to kill you." This, this is yeah. a more generalized, like I said, dog eat dog kind of thing. And I like this because this is this is the antithesis to Roy. Is like, well, if I have to tell you what freedom means, it ain't going to mean much because freedom can mean a whole lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. depending on where you're at in the hierarchy of needs. Uh, it it can you know freedom can be the freedom to blow your hand off because you got you know fireworks out of state. It can be the freedom to not have to worry about the huge medical bill that you're going to have to pay if you blow your fingers off. You know, did you have to think about like, oh my god, what if I get in a terrible accident and I can't provide for my family because. That's going to happen to everybody, so we might as well take care of it. Like, there's lots of different well, ways the, of freedoms, and there's just checks and balances. And and the way that people some some people twist that definition, the thing that really stood out to me in this dialogue is how uh, some people decide that if they can't have what they want, they're not free. Right. And their All wants... All the time. Yeah, right. They, they've They've told themselves that they're kings and everything they want they call their own and when they can't get it they call that they they say they're not free and and you contrast that to the people who are never able to even contemplate freedom because they can't have even a even even desires right um yeah it's it's it paints this picture of the extremely wealthy complaining as being crybabies you have mm-hmm. so much so few so other so many other people have so little and you're claiming that you are oppressed because you simply can't have the thing you want or you're being asked to do All some small some small thing for the community right make some you small know. sacrifice pay for your freedom right but you don't want to do that yeah it's a good it's a good soliloquy even though it was given by a guy completely encrusted in shit blood and mud <laughs> Interesting words coming out of his mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and and, and what, hmm. what did you make of John Ham seething? Like the cut, cutting, cutting, cutting back to him. He's clearly the man who has set himself up to be a king. Mm-hmm. He's equal with the king of kings, and his face is just like he is seething that he can't have the thing he wants. Nadine. Yeah, his second wife. Now that we've found that out. Uh, yeah, no, the, the, he he is the described king in this, right? The man who's appointed himself king and is crying because he can't have everything he wants. Yep. That's exactly what I was getting from that. We'll be back with Fargo, you're darn tootin'. The fountain of conversation continues. Here's more Fargo. Uh, okay, let's go to Gator, who gets back to the ranch, finds that old Munch has been and gone, and sending a message, and he asks where Roy is. And then we go over to Roy, who's visiting the guy who was beating on his wife in a previous episode to check up on that situation. Doesn't like what he sees. The guy pulls a gun on him, but Roy gets the first shot off, killing him just as Gator arrives, and they get their story straight with the wife or I guess widow at this point. Uh, and then Roy goes for a ride on a horse into the sunset. 
absolutely incredible sunset. Mm-hmm. A plus cinematography there. Uh, I thought it was interesting that you can kind of like you, you squint and you see the firelight on the Dean's face. It's like the sunrise and, you know, with the, the structure fire, the house. And then, hmm. okay. Uh, at the end there, Roy riding off into the sunsets, nice little kind of a bookend. And, yeah. and what is firelight except for a sudden release of the sun stored energy that a tree spent its lifetime, you know, storing I up mean, within the itself. The sun is made of fire, man. Damn straight. That's all I'm saying. Uh, the sun's just a big campfire <laughs> in space. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I, I thought this scene is. It's like this is. Um, this is a nice piece of world building, you know, that uh, it, it really throws in. If, if you would be deluded into thinking that Roy enforces the laws purely for his citizens benefit. He's setting up this young man and he's killing them and then he's making his widow an, ex, an, an accomplice. You know, mm-hmm. he's bringing her into the conspiracy. It's like, don't you know, aren't you glad I took care of this problem for you? Aren't you glad that I'm going to continue to care for you and give you money because you're my friend and we're friends, right? And it's also badass. Like that's like just in the way it works with Raylan Givens. Like it's it's always fucking impressive when someone lets someone get the drop on them, pulls the gun out, and is confident enough to be like, "I can pull my gun and put one through you before you can even twitch your finger." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I rewind because like, how did they do that? How did they get John Hamm to do that thing? And it, it's like it's like less than a quarter second, and it looks like it's a simultaneous shot, and just he gets the better of it. And the fact that. He's like Brad Pitt and Ad Astra. His there's nothing about his countenance when Gator rushes in that betrays that he was in a gunfight. Yeah, yeah, he's just cool, calm, collected. Uh, it's a hell of a scene. I mean, John Hamm does an amazing job in this scene. The, I despise his character at this yes. point, but also, well, okay, so I despise both of these guys, and maybe equally. I'm not sure. Uh, but one of them is beating his wife. That's not okay, man. Uh, mm-hmm. The other one is meeting out justice the way that he sees fit outside of the law. That's also not okay, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so both of these characters are pretty reprehensible, but it's still like, I, I still think it's a cool scene. You yeah, know? John Han is John Ham is riveting to watch in this scene, and Absolutely. it makes me. That's why I was going like uh, the tone of this character. It seems to me like it would have been better to have him be deadly serious, or to have him be more of a buffoon. But it's kind of rough. It's like where was this guy when he's sitting in the tub and showing his dick and gotten his 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 pierced nipples out and like it's the pierced nipples that. Do- I- <laughs> Like I said, like, they're doing either too much or too little, and I mm-hmm. wish they had kind of gone with like a you know a very deadly serious take on like this wild kind of form of uh, absolute patriarchy that they're practicing out there. Just like put, just mm-hmm. don't put any lipstick on that pig, you know, like like Roy says. Um, yeah, it doesn't need it. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe 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 this thing turns into a real knee slapper in the back half because I I'm still looking for like where. I had uh, one guy email me. He's like, well, I don't understand why you had all the expectations. I didn't watch any trailers and all that stuff. And well, mm. that's great. But yeah. part of our job is to do these season previews. And I honestly, as private citizen, Aaron would never watch a trailer. I didn't used to. I just like, oh, that seems like an interesting project. It's got a cool pedigree or a cool concept. I'll just go into it blind because that's the best way to go into it. I'm doing podcast. I ha- so it's like. It's not my fault that Noah Hawley says this is going to be more of a comedic romp along the line, like a black comedy romp along the lines of the first Fargo. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I got those expectations fairly. And it's taken a little bit of while to me to shift my mental transmission into a different gear. Um, and you. I do question if it's this deadly serious, why the little ha ha, the pierced nipples, ha ha, the light up dildo box or whatever. Like, uh, but I don't know. Honestly, some of my least favorite Coen Brothers works with stuff like that, like Burn After Reading, where it's just like mm-hmm. deadly serious, but then slapstick out of nowhere. Yeah. that That's historically hard for me to ride that and huh. and if if holly likes that it's just going to be I, I mean, all i can be is honest about my biases so you guys mm-hmm. you know can kind of like oh aaron's talking out of his ass there and i don't agree because blah 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 oh uh, one of the things i noticed in this scene he's talking about how joshua was one of the good ones and his mm. definition of good one is super interesting and seems very uh self-interested um, because because he also equates I can't remember if it's his grandfather, his great grandfather, whoever in his family tree here, yeah. as one of the good ones. But he starts off by calling him an Indian killer, mm-hmm. and in my mind, that does not make you quote one of the good ones. Uh, th- is this another instance of somebody creating their own reality here? The, the fiction that the things that happened in that period are somehow good or is this just or is this just showing the difference in opinion and views what's definitely going to something that it's not just a single person rejecting reality that that's kind of like you know the the fact that this guy got medals of honor for his actions mm-hmm. of you know yeah, the country uh, rewarded him for that. And you re- I read up on this battle of the the Badlands. It's a pretty sad affair where like essentially the the Native Americans were were doing kind of a running retreat and trying to regroup to another area and they're just kind of being harassed by a unit that outnumbered them 2 to 1. And there was some resistance, but it was like a, it was described as desultory like the you know, they would ever once while they'd be able to corner a part of the native americans on a particular ridge and they'd rain some arrows down and then they'd shoot the cannons and then they'd run off and but this is like a big battle in his mind but more to the fact that all of america was kind of not a, you know, there's there's always been some people in history being like that ain't right but broadly speaking all of america was on board with like those boys are doing the god god's work out there manifest mm-hmm. destiny from well they from were the kings seed from sea to shining sea yeah like yeah. ironically the the people coming over here to america to found this country uh, yeah. Without a king, were the kings trying to claim the thing that they wanted for yeah, their freedom? This country is full of godless heathens that, at best, uh, are potential Christians in the future. Um, mm-hmm. But that's like it's it. That was a that was a, a not real look on the world. But it's something that it wasn't right. just like one person sharing. It was shared by an entire nation of people. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what they're going with it. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're bringing you know the FBI and things into this, you're starting to get. Yeah get to the country not just individuals within it and what are our shared delusions that we're you know in, in in the country now the fact that like poor people are just morally bad they're just you know they shouldn't spend so much money shouldn't get in debt uh shouldn't get their finger degloved at the job you know like what what are the delusions that yeah, we're suffering which under? Is that's that's 100 years a from now going to be going to be morally repugnant the way the debt prisons were 150 years ago like oh you can't pay your debt well, well that's illegal you got to go to jail it's a thing we didn't talk about in Lorraine's, uh, you know, speech to this reporter. She starts out with, you know, it, it, it starts as an itch, right? Maybe you want a new pair of shoes. Yeah. But then she switches immediately from that to something that you have no control over and can't be helped. Yeah. The the car and, and breaking who put down. That, 
Yeah, the the medical bill. And She's equating like, the two things, and that's yes. not at all equatable. And the same system that she's in the debt collection is the, is the other end of that is the, you know, uh, marketing teams that are generating that false need to get the things and making you feel like you're not part of the community if you don't have those things. It's it's, sure. uh, it's, it's pumping you from both ends, you know. It's putting mm-hmm. you on a treadmill that you will find your level of broke to be in this country and most people will silo into that, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know. He's trying to expose some fallacy within all of our belief systems here that I think uh-huh. I think is coming to light. I, I don't want to say this is on like the forefront of, you know, the, Fargo season five is going to be the thing that cracks the case on what's wrong with this country. Uh, we're, no. we're coming to these ideas and Fargo season five seems to be a reflection of the things that we are feeling right now. Sure. Which makes it super frustrating, right? Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like, like maybe actively... episode 10, you know, we'll get the the big grand finale that'll tell us how all this is supposed to go. But it's, it's like when I used to work at IT and we were having a, a massive problem and like the 13th person that came into the data center is like, is anyone else having problems logging in? It's like, yeah, no fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> working on it yeah. right now. Do you see the smoke rolling out of that room? We got. Yeah. It's like so it's, it's like it's a. There's nothing wrong with with being that person, but it sometimes can can great, you know. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it, it it provides a sense of urgency to have this message, you know, piled on. I think it does help, you know. If if one person comes to you and says the server's on fire, you're like, eh, I'll get to it when I can. I, right, Nobody yeah. else has complained about it. If 13 people come to you and say it, well, now you got to do something about it because otherwise yeah. you're going to lose your job. <laughs> the number and volume of the complaints definitely spur action. Yeah, so this is one for the pile, I guess. But yeah, that's the end of the episode. Well, it's not the end of the podcast because we got some feedback. Uh, Fargo at baldmove.com is how you send it in. And before we get the feedback, just a note, if you would like to know the other things we're doing, because we have, oh my gosh, so many podcasts about movies, about TV, all kinds of stuff. Uh, all of our social medias are at baldmove, except for TikTok. We're at baldestmove there. And if you'd like to support us in what we're doing, help us keep making podcasts. Get some nice things for yourself. Add free feeds, extra bonus audio content. Support.baldmove.com is how you help us continue our mission to cover all the television. Uh, Fargo at baldmove.com is what we're talking about now. First up, Aaron K says, besides the obvious Coen Brothers inspirations, I'm pretty sure Holly is very inspired by the writings of Japanese author Haruku Murakami. I'm familiar with this gentleman from the Maiden Heights song that is a banger. And it slaps. Uh, I've seen Murakami's books and video interviews from Holly's home and see similarities in the stories Holly writes. Books like Kafka on the Shore, uh, 1Q84, and The Wind-Up Bird Chronicles have all relatively grounded stories with occasional elements of the supernatural or surreal seeping into it. Murakami inserts these moments seemingly at random, but eventually you see thematically how they fit, and it's often open to interpretation if it's even real. Malvo, Hanzi, Varga, Mayflower, and now Munch would all be right at home in a Murakami novel. Yeah, fair enough. And um, I, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, it's just like I said, it's it's not my favorite thing. I, I yeah, I, I, you're allowed to do things that I'm not necessarily feeling on TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Justin says, something that strikes me after four episodes and listening to you guys and reading what Holly said about using the Nightmare Before Christmas is how much the in-between or liminal space is explored in this season because of Holly's use of two things at once. According to Holly, he's using The Nightmare Before Christmas because it's sort of a personal choice for a movie that we love in my house, and it manages to be both a Christmas and Halloween movie. You can watch it twice a year if you want to. And I knew I wanted to enter Dot Story or, or center Dot Story around Halloween because of what it affords her in defending her home in the costumes. Because uh, they can literally wear bulletproof vests and be zombie killers. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, it explains Gator uh, is a Jack Skeleton type because Jack is someone who, much like Joe Keery's character, is trying to be something he's not, which is an evil, scary dude when really he's just a softie. It seems as if as Holly is dancing around his use of film as a way to represent the in-between. Jack Skeleton literally walks to a place where he can enter all holidays, a place between places. Roy Tillman operates in this sort of same space. He kills the guy at the end of episode four to close a loop for the local law enforcement to appeal appease that world so he can get back to his own one in which he is a supreme leader, a reflection of the two Americas. Dot herself is two people and can freely switch between the two as needed. Old Munch would be a multi-generational specter linking the old times with the new. Lorraine Lyons' profession of a deliberate is a deliberate choice between uh, being an in-between for credit card companies and others who have written off debt. And of course, we always have Indira and Wit as well as Jaqueen and Mrs. Jaqueen, the natural good forces caught in between what is true and good versus the wrong. So my agent Joaquin, and I forget Miss Joaquin's name. Uh, at the end, with, I'll end with Danish, what he says in the hospital, with all due respect, we've got our own reality. This notion of two things at once and those who can operate in between is all over this, and I'm so interested in where that lands. I thought it was an interesting take on what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we didn't really talk about, you know, the sort of cover up operation that Roy has going at the end of this episode. Um, he's, he's dual purposing this, right? He's getting rid of someone evil as he would describe it. And also using this as uh, a way to, like he said, close the loop on old munch. It feels like the FBI is wise to that though. A little too convenient, too many conveniently closed things based on, only things that the uh, Stark County sheriffs can verify, but uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott from Pittsburgh says, as an electrical engineer, I wanted to weigh in on the reality of Wayne getting shocked. Dot laid out her electrical trap by putting two exposed copper wires, hot and neutral, parallel to each other with a small gap in between. The other of these wires is plugged into a household 120 volt alternating current outlet. Something conductive, in this case a hand, bridges the gap between the wires. It creates a short that delivers current based on how conductive the thing to bridge the gap is. Human skin, normally not that conductive. And dry winter skin, magnitudes less so. Electricity wants to take the path of least resistance. Uh, so Wayne would have felt a startling shock in his hands. But because the current is alternating and not direct, it would not cause a muscle contraction that would cause him to clamp down and be unable to go. Uh... <laughs> While it makes for good TV, if anyone listening needs to make a heroic last stand in their domicile, I would recommend they follow Kevin McAllister's example in Home Alone 2. Direct current car battery rigged to dual faucet handles, one in one hand and out the other, is much more likely to be capacitating or lethal. Dot's approach, just piss off your assailants. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. What if it's Rig up that car battery. No change. He actually talks about this. I, I I skipped a paragraph where he's talking about the level of spice uh, difference between 120 volts and 240. I've shocked myself being a handyman on 120 innumerable amounts of time. 
Uh, I've never done 240, but he's he's taken 240 uh, in one hand and out the other, and which means the it probably arced through his heart, and he goes, "Why it scared the shit out of me?" I was completely fine a moment later. And again, if I know anything about electricity, it's all about your current level of resistance. Like if you are wearing the wrong clothes, or your hands are sweaty mm-hmm. or wet, like yeah don't yeah 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 maybe i would imagine wayne's hands could be wet i imagine his hands could be sweaty yeah because that's a scary ass situation yeah no uh the thing that scares me about that is the the inability to let go of a live wire that yeah that's terrifying um if there's nobody there to end that current it will end you is that true with alternating current? I thought that was the whole thing that alternating like pulsed so it wouldn't like completely um, uh, get you like that. But yeah, it maybe, might not be true about AC. I don't know. Um, well, like I said, be, I'm be no electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, go, I'd go with a quality security system. Uh, Judah says in the scene in episode two where his partner is killed, Gator's eating jerky, and when he's in the evidence locker in episode three, he leaves behind a Slim Jim, notably scenes dealing with either already dead or dying characters. Do you think this is drawing any parallels between Gator and a Sin Eater eating food from the body of a corpse? And if so, what point do you think Holly's trying to make? With how this show is, I can't tell if this is me just grasping at straws, if there's truly something (laughs) to be gleaned from this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I mean, you know, uh, the Godfather made that connection with oranges, right? Oranges Mm -hmm. equals impending death. Maybe he's doing something with beef jerky. Yeah, maybe he's doing something. I mean, with Slim the Jim eating. does in real life equal impending death. You eat enough of them, <laughs> I don't, but I don't know if they're doing that. It would be interesting if Gator, like somehow, uh, if he gets to drop on Old Bunch and kills him, if he is forced to become a Sin Eater. I mean, if I, I if if I'm opening my mind up to supernatural things, um, and that would also be an interesting different arc for his character to bend on. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I'm I'm gonna be paying attention to what what he's eating and what and what what he's was what he's laying down in the future. Mm-hmm. Got my eye on that, Judah. John G says since you claim the Coens featured supernatural elements and maybe five percent of the work, I wanted to count them just for the record. Here are all the Coen Brothers films that feature some kind of supernatural or extraterrestrial element. In his estimation, Raising Arizona, Barton Fink, Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, brother, where art thou? The man who wasn't there and a serious man contain supernatural elements or the hints of the supernatural. Um, they are fascinated by stories where ordinary people are confronted by chance, a bag of money or some potentially life threat changing dream come true opportunity. But uh, one's dangerously death. Uh, one is definitely dangerous and ethical. And when they go after the thing and unleashes some kind of malevolent force. This is what I love so much about the Cohen style. Life's confusing and you don't really get answers. There's not actually a God, but you'll probably still get punished for your sins anyway. I think this theme is something Noah Hawley understands and exploring in his adaptations of their work. To really get at the theme, I think the supernatural elements are... uh, I think the supernatural elements need to be there and that's why they are there, not because Noah Hawley just happens to like those elements and is highlighting them because despite not being represented the full Cohen work because they actually are. I mean, like I said, I you're not you're not wrong, but it is not my favorite flavor. I don't think it's Jim's favorite flavor. And nope. it would be nice for one season to not have that. But Noah Hawley's not my bitch, man. He can do whatever he wants and and, and yeah, I yeah, can like it or not. 
it was really the expectation versus the reality i guess is yeah. is my big problem because i i do love fargo i do love the big lebowski and i was kind of promised that via trailers this season and so to see that that is kind of a i don't i don't want to say an afterthought this season but it is a small portion of what holly's trying to do this season it was a little disappointing to me but like i said i'm i'm also easing my way toward the other side of this thinking okay i i could maybe get into this if it doesn't go overboard with the supernatural yeah i'm i'm kind of in the same same place uh i'm not uh hey guys this is a lot early on that's the other thing is like i think this is the earliest this kind of stuff has ever been this kind of explicit mm-hmm. but um i'm not ruling it out being good it's just but I, I do say that like the more the plots hinge on supernatural events occurring the more i get like okay i i'm i'm no longer um like really engaging with the material Finally, we have Rai Rai who says, I was listening to your coverage of episode three and you mentioned something about Gator potentially having a change of heart and trying to subvert his evilness to do something good. Now, it's been a while since I've seen Stranger Things, but I remember Joe Creer's character Steve was a total dung bucket at first and by the end was a fan favorite. I wonder mm-hmm. if his casting is further evidence that the heel to face turn. I, 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 yeah, we, we didn't talk about that too, but that when, when Dot says, shame on you, Gator, there's a bit like she expected better from him. Like... You know, and I want to say at one point he was more of a heroic figure as a quarterback, but then he had that racist story about hurting the black kid that, uh-huh. you know, hurt him playing ball. And um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, maybe there was something tender about him as a child and Roy's tried to stamp it out and maybe that thing can be fanned back. But uh, the more the story goes on, the more skeptical I'm getting of the, the Jack Skeleton kind of anti-hero aspect of him. But so much of the the macho bullshit that's happening with him seems uh, to be affected by him, not inherent yeah. to who he is. So I could I could see it that mask slipping at some point and him mm-hmm. being revealed for like a hero straight up. Um, and I got to say, I really love Joe Keery. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of rooting for that outcome because I want to like him. Uh, and I hope I see him a lot of future things because, man, he's good. Yeah, I do like him. I like him a lot. And I, you, you definitely, when you see him roll in to back up his dad when the gunshots go off, he's scared to death. Uh-huh. As much as he talks that he wants, and he was a lot more in control of that, uh, you know, Nadine situation until she started actually shooting and he started, oh my God, this isn't like a five foot nothing, 100 pounds soaking wet. Well, this is a tiger I'm dealing with. Yeah, we we see that that softness that he has to work himself up into a kind of a fervor to to do his dad's dirty work, and I mean he has to literally plaster his walls with reminders that he's that guy. Otherwise, he manly. might forget it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's his ears have to be full of hyper aggressive music, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, he's uh, <laughs> I'm amazed he doesn't sleep on a bed of nails, you know, because he can get the other senses <laughs> and engaged to being hard. Yeah, I bet uh, he takes cold showers though. Ice yeah, cold he, showers, definitely, definitely. I don't think Roy has a hot water heater in that house. Maybe for the girls, just outside Maybe there's in the hot a, tub. There's an on. There's an on. De- oh, you're right. He's got that. But there's <laughs> there's an on demand hot water thing for the girls. But uh, that's that's the only one that gets those creature comforts. Mm-hmm. Not the men of the house. All right, that's going to do it for this week. This coverage of Fargo. Uh, we will see what happens next week when we return. Fargo at baldmove.com again is how you send us feedback. 
at Bald Move everywhere for social media. Uh, TikTok, we're at Baldest Move. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. Mm-hmm.